0: He wants us to come to him by faith, and he wants us to walk with him on a daily basis. Hey, we're picking up from this message that we started last time in Romans chapter 2. I entitled this message, The Heart of the Matter. And we were in Romans chapter 2, and in verse 19 and 20, he gave us four examples of how we should live out our faith. He said, number one, we should be a guide to the blind. Number two, be a light to those that are in darkness. Number three, we should be a corrector of the foolish. And then we didn't look at number four. And number four here was we're to teach the immature. Yes, understand, there is always an opportunity to teach. When we are in the Word, we have something to teach others. I've seen Christians that have been believers for some, I don't know, 30 years, yet they're still immature in their faith. Now, why is that? Because they haven't studied God's Word. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Be diligent. That means work at it. To present yourself approved of God. As a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the Word of Truth. Let me just say here for a moment. It's like we should all have some type of reading time in the Word of God. Now, I know some people like, okay, I just can't sit down and read like 20 chapters, you know, I'll sit and start reading, then I'll get done reading 10 chapters, and I say to myself, What did I just read? I have no clue what I just read. Well, listen, we need to slow down. We need to read a little bit slower, but we need to have reading time every day. And I suggest that you just find a book of the Bible. There's 66 books in each Bible. You know, there's 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books. And it's just like, take one book at a time, start in chapter one, verse one, have a pen there and just read slow and look, just set some time aside. Maybe you just set 10 minutes aside and just say, no matter what, I'm going to read 10 minutes a day. Now, if one day when you have a little extra time, that 10 minutes turns into 45 minutes, great. But if it's just 10 minutes, then let it be 10 minutes. But don't ever let it be less than that. And when you come across one of those really cool verses like, wow, that really ministers to my soul, man, write that verse down on a piece of paper and start memorizing that verse, the book that it's in, the chapter, the verse, and memorize that verse. If it takes you a week to memorize it, whatever, just go over, tape it to your mirror in the bathroom when you're getting ready in the morning. Just keep going over that verse. Write the word of God on the fleshly tablets of your heart. You know, when I go to memorize a verse, it's always a verse that ministers to me. And then when you're able to share that with someone else, you share it with passion. Why? Because it ministered to you first. Yes, we're to be diligent to present ourselves approved of God who handles accurately the word of truth. What an exhortation that is to us as believers. To guide the blind, to be lights that shine to those that are living in darkness, to correct the foolish, and to teach the immature. See, Paul's point here was this. If they were doing this, then why be boastful in their flesh as Jews? when they're not practicing what they knew to be true themselves. That's why he asked them in verse 21, do you preach, don't steal to other people, but then are you stealing? I mean, you got to think about that for a second. You know, it's like, do we tell people, hey, thou shall not steal? That's what the Bible says. But let me ask you, maybe you have an office job. Are you taking little post-it pads home? Because it's cheaper to take a post-it pad home from church, from their work than it is to buy one. Are you taking a pen home? Are you taking office supplies? Well, hey, why buy paper clips when they got them at church or, or at the, you know, well, I because I work at the church and we have fast stuff. It's like, listen. You have to buy your own stuff. Don't steal from your employer. So don't tell people, the Bible says thou shall not steal, and then you rip off the government by not paying your taxes. It's like, listen— Everyone knows we're getting ripped off by taxes. Hey, I live in California. With me being on the East Coast here recently, it's like gas was like two bucks a gallon cheaper. We're getting hosed here in California. But like what Jesus said, he said, "Show me a coin." When they asked him, "Is it right to pay taxes?" he says, "Give to God what is God's and give Caesar's what is Caesar's." So listen, we got to play by the rules here. It's just what it is, you know. He said in verse twenty-two of Romans two, he says, "Do you?" preach, do not commit adultery, but then do you commit adultery? And you know what the Bible says when Jesus kind of redefined the the commandments there in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, you know what's been said, you shall not commit adultery. That would be sleeping with another man's husband or another man's wife. And it's like, but he goes, if you just look at another man or a woman and you lust after them, you've committed adultery in your heart. It's like, oh my goodness, man, we're all guilty of that. So that's why we have to keep our eyes focused, okay? That's why I said in verse 23, if you boast in being a Jew, meaning you boast in being God's chosen people, you boast in being keepers of the law, yet you break the law and you dishonor God. And here's what he's trying to say. This is the bottom line of what he's trying to say in Romans chapter 2. He says, we cause the name of the Lord to be blasphemed to the unbeliever. Around us. See, this is a strong exhortation to every one of us as Christians. People are watching us, they watch what we do, they watch how we act and react to things, how we live our lives. See, outside of the church wall says everything to those that are around us. That's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, But examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from every appearance of evil. See, we have to abstain from the very appearance of evil. I remember when I was young, I used to drink beer and party and, you know, take drugs and take speed. Could you imagine me on speed? What a scary thought that is. But anyway, but I used to drink beer because I like beer. But when I came to know Christ as my Savior, I got rid of the bong, got rid of the drugs, got rid of the beer and everything. But then after we, me and my wife bought our first house— You know, I thought, man, I'm kind of missing beer, but I can't drink beer because I'm a Christian now. Well, you know, they have near beer, you know, like the beer that doesn't have any alcohol in it. So my wife started buying me the beer with no alcohol. So I would come home from work and go to my refrigerator and pull out a bottle and it looked just like a beer. It smelled like beer. It tasted like beer. And I would drink my beer with no alcohol. But then I was totally convicted because I'm thinking like, well, what if someone comes to my house and they look and they see I have beer or I'm out in the front yard and it looks like I'm drinking a beer because it's in like a beer bottle and everything. I go, people are going to think I'm a Christian and yet I'm drinking. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to abstain from this. And so I got rid of the near beer. Okay. so we're to abstain from every form or appearance of evil. So you might say, well, hey, I'm going to go to the club, but I'm not going to drink. So you're out there dancing on the dance floor. You're grinding away, man. Look at me. You know, it's like La Vida Loca. It's like, but I'm not drinking. No, but you're grinding with this other person. It's like, you know, you're a Christian now. You have to abstain from every appearance of evil. We have to be cautious on what we do, how we live, and how we act. Because if people know that we're Christians, we are probably the only Bible, again, that they're ever going to read. This is very important, for if the average person only knows about Christianity from what they see on TV, from what they see on the internet, from what they see from the liberal press as pop culture portrays Christians— then all they're going to see is a radical misrepresentation of the truth. Because, you know, the liberal media, you know, they have us Christians out as a bunch of whack jobs, okay? They have us as a bunch of lunatics and everything. So they're going to have this radical misrepresentation. So it's important on how we represent Christ as true believers. See, if they can see a real Christian, you and me, that is truly loving, that is truly forgiving, that is truly honest, that truly cares for those people that are hurt around us, reaching out with a heart of compassion, ready to give an answer to all the problems that we're seeing the world facing right now with skyrocketing crime and everything that's happening right now, then people will actually get this. They will see Jesus in you in me. And that's what's supposed to happen. People are supposed to see Jesus in us and ask us like, hey, what is it with you? How come you're different than everyone else? How come you don't partake of the dirty jokes? How come you don't go party with us? How come you don't drink with us? How come you don't do these things? And that gives you an opportunity to share Christ. People used to ask me all the time, hey, it used to be a party animal. How come you don't party anymore? I go, well, to be honest with you, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He forgave me of all my sin. He forgave me of my past. And it's like, I don't want to drink anymore. I want to live a life that's well pleasing to him because he has filled my heart with joy. He has filled my heart with peace, and His peace is a quietness of rest, and I don't want to go back to the old way that I used to live, and I give all the credit to the Lord Jesus. It's just like if someone hands you, you know, extra change, what do you do? You know, like say, you know, you're buying lunch somewhere, and it comes out to 980, and you hand them a 10 spot, and they give you change for a 20 they give you 10 bucks back. Do you just walk out like, praise Jesus, I got lunch for tomorrow. No, I hand the money back. Then they say, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. Well, why would you give that back? Because I'm a Christian and I'm going to stand before God one day and I witness to him right on the spot, which brings up this other thought here as we're going through Romans chapter two. It talks about being a doer. So let me read to you in Romans 2.25. So listen, if you're listening on the radio and you're driving your car, hey, I'll read the text. You keep your eyes on the road. Anyway, Romans 2.25 says this, "...for indeed circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law..." Your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if the uncircumcision uh, man keeps his, the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law of God, will he not judge you who though having the letter of the law in circumcision, or a transgressor of the law. So he's talking about the guy here that is a Jew that's been circumcised. So he thinks, hey, I'm good. I'm going to heaven because I'm a Jew and I'm circumcised. But then he's not living according to the law. And Then he's comparing it to a guy that's not circumcised, that's not a Jew, but yet he's come to know Christ and he's living according to God's Word. Listen, This is why we teach the truth of God's Word here on Core Truth Radio. We're here to make sure that we cover every base of the Christian life so that we can grow as men and women of God. Listen, let me ask you a question. You know, are you growing in your relationship with God? Are you going to a church? Are you listening to a message that really challenge you? Or do you go to church every Sunday and you just go through the motions and you're never really challenged? Let me ask you. Do you have any kind of sin areas in your life that your church is never talking about those areas? Listen, there should be a little bit of conviction. There should be some things that are happening in our heart that move us closer to the Lord every time we go to church. Listen, if you're here in Southern California and you're anywhere close to L.A., listen, you might be an hour away. But wouldn't it be better to drive an hour to go to church and actually get taught the Word of God than drive five minutes and get nothing out of it and just go through the religious motions? Listen, I encourage you to come to Core Church Los Angeles, one, the intersection of La Cienega and the 10 Freeway. We're like 200 feet north of the 10 Freeway, right across the street from Kaiser Hospital, and I encourage you to come and check us out, and listen, if you can't get here, man, download our free app, man, you go to the app store, it's free, it takes like 30 seconds to download, and it's got like hundreds of video messages, isn't that crazy, you can download an app in 30 seconds, and there is hundreds of hours of video messages on that one little app, it's crazy how this technology works, I love it although some technology's bad, (laughs) But, but this is a good one. And listen, if you know someone that's in Idaho or Timbuktu, you know, Montana, who knows? And it's like, you hear a message say, man, go check out this app, Core Church Los Angeles, download the app. We have people that are supporting us from all over the United States, and because they've downloaded our app and they're listening to our messages. So I encourage you, to do that. Well, getting back to our message here, it says every baby Jewish male here, he was circumcised on the eighth day, as you know. And you know what circumcision is, right? Well, hey, go look it up. Anyway, <laughs> but this was an identifying sign that he belonged to the lineage of Abraham. It's what set him apart from all the other people on the planet. So Paul is going to make his case for Gentiles now by confronting his Jewish brothers with this fact. He says, if you're circumcised, yet you transgress or you break the law, your circumcision means nothing. Because see, the Jews, again, they just thought, hey, man, I'm a Jew. I'm I'm God's chosen people. I was born as a Jew. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Therefore, automatically, I'm going to heaven. I'm good. I can live however I want. Uh, no. That's why Paul said, listen, if you break the law, your circumcision means nothing. You're just like all the other heathen nations around you. Just because you're a Jew and you're circumcised doesn't really mean anything. Yet, he goes on to say, at the same time, if a Gentile is uncircumcised, which In this day, all Gentiles were uncircumcised, and yet he embraces the law of God, gives his heart to Jesus Christ, and does what God commands him to do. Then although he is not circumcised, shouldn't he be a judge over you? For you're a hypocrite, he said to those Jews that were downgrading the Gentiles that were coming to Christ. And he is not. So Jesus made this very same comparison all the time. And he purposely would use as examples those who the Jewish people hated. Jesus did that on purpose. At one point, Jesus compared a Pharisee, the highest religious sect of the day, to a tax collector who are still hated today. Who doesn't hate the tax collector today? Everyone hates him. So that's why he used them back in the day. Listen to what he said in Luke 18.10. Jesus said, Two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. So you're automatically thinking, well, this is a big-time religious leader with his big flowing gown, and obviously God loves that guy. And then the other was a tax collector. Oh, God can't stand those guys just like we can't. So then Jesus went on to say in verse 11, the Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers, or even this tax collector, points to the tax collector that's probably 20 feet away from him. He says, I fast twice a week. I pay my tithes on all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was not even willing to lift up his eyes to heaven, but he was beating his breast and he was saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, who, the tax collector, went to his house justified rather than the Pharisee, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. What Jesus said there is exactly what Paul was saying. He was doing two things. Number one, he was trying to get his fellow Jew to see that we're all sinners, that all of us need to be forgiven. Doesn't matter if you were born into a certain Christian household or you were circumcised or whatever. Listen, we all need to come to Christ. We all need to be forgiven. And number two, that the Gentile, if he came to Christ and he lived according to the law of God why wouldn't he be justified before God? Of course he would be justified before God. For it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or you're not a Jew. What matters is this. Where is your heart today? As the title here states, the heart of the matter is always the matter of the heart, which brings up this final thought here, led by the Spirit. Let me read another section here in Romans Chapter 2, it says in verse 28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is an outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So Paul says here, if you're relying on your circumcision alone to get you to heaven— It's not going to get you to heaven, just like if you're thinking, I go to church all the time, it's going to get me to heaven. No, it's not. And if someone just says, well, I'm a descendant of Abraham, I'm a Jew, I'm a descendant of Abraham. When you embrace God by faith, just like Abraham did, and you live according to the law, when we come to Jesus by faith, and we live according to God's law, see, and not according to our sinful flesh, See, that's when God deals with us in this self-attitude of self-entitlement because God wants us to do what? He wants us to come to Him by faith, and He wants us to walk with Him on a daily basis, and that's why God is reminding us of His promises. His promises are based on obedience— did you hear that? He wants us to obey his word. He wants us to keep God's law, his statutes, his commandments. God spoke these things in these same things to the people in Ezekiel's day. The people heard the word. They just didn't obey it. So listen to what God said in Ezekiel thirty-three thirty-one. 31. He says, they come to you as people come and they sit before you as people hear your words, but they do not do them. For if they do the lustful desires they express by their mouth, and their heart goes after their own gain, behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice, and you play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not practice them. God wants us not to be just a hearer of the word. He wants us to be a doer of the word. Yes, the Jews were taking advantage of their heritage, just like some people who claim to be Christians today take advantage of the fact that they go to church or belong to a certain denomination. But we must remember, going to church doesn't make us a Christian, just like going to McDonald's doesn't make us a Big Mac. See, again, like we're told in verse 29, our relationship has nothing to do with the outward. It has everything to do with our heart. We're all circumcised of the heart, meaning we need to be set apart by the Spirit of God, not by the letter of the law. We are saved by faith and faith alone. God even said this in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 4.4, he says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskins of your heart. He says, look, come to me on on a basis of being real and honest with me. So let me ask you as we end today, is your religion just that? Do you just have this religious relationship with God? Or is it a personal relationship with God? Let me ask you point blank. Are you born again? Are you born from above? Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen, I've talked to people that claim to be Catholic or Presbyterian or Episcopalian. Okay, great, whatever. Call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. But do you know Christ as your Savior? Listen, if you don't and you're not sure, listen, no, for sure that you're going to heaven know that your sin is forgiven and the only way you can do that is by making sure that you're born again if you're not sure pray this prayer Mean it in your heart and god will hear you pray this now lord jesus forgive me of my sin i believe you died for me that you were buried i believe you rose again come inside of me live in me be my lord be my god be my Savior, and be my friend, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to send you as a free gift a Bible that's got all kinds of encouraging notes on how to walk with God. There's about 50 pages of them on the, up front. So send me your name and address. Just email me at bible at com. That's Bible at corechurchla.com. And may the Lord God bless you.
1: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla, one word, dot org. As well as writing to our P.O. Box, 34789 Los Angeles, California, 90034.